Listening Dog Media. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan, and a Liverpool fan. Hello and welcome to the last Offside Rule We Get It podcast of the season. Different voice today. It's Kate Ball say hello. I've shoved Lindsay Hooper out of the way. She's up in Liverpool, so I've stepped in. Quite big shoes to fill, actually, but I'm rescued in some way, shape or form because, as ever, I'm joined by Hayley McQueen. Hi, Hayley. Speaking of big shoes, big feet over here, big size sevens, McQueen to the rescue, yep. <laughs> That's what you get for being the daughter of a footballer, isn't it? Big, big feet. And uh, the wonderful uh, Alex Scott, Arsenal ladies and England international star, hero defender of many games. How are you, Alex? No, I'm good. Excited to be on and thank you for having me. Hopefully I'll step in and fill Lindsay's shoes. Unless you're a Wolves fan, it's quite difficult to fill Lindsay's shoes, really. But anyway, uh, hello and welcome to the show, everyone. Episode 40, so last one of the season. Uh, we're supported by Continental UK so thanks to them for their continued support as I said myself Hayley and Alex Scott today we've also got coming up later on Sue Smith with her WSL roundup Uh, topic wise today we're talking semi-final shocker a little bit later on the World Cup it often springs a few surprises in terms of the semi-finals so I just want you to pick a rank outsider uh, who you think has a chance of making the semi-finals in Brazil this summer Uh, Twitter top of the week something a bit different we've asked you to ask Alex so We've got a whole selection of questions for you, Alex. Are you looking forward to that? I am. Some of the questions, you know, they put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> no, but I like the kind of different questions, not your average, just football ones and football memories. But no, hopefully, you know, they've sent in some good ones and hopefully I'm able to answer them good. Uh, Sean Thorne's coming up later on with something a little bit different. Topic three is cup cutback. So Mexico national team manager Miguel Herrera has laid down the law. Uh, no sex at this summer's World Cup, please to all his players. Uh, So I want some more examples of things that teams might cite as the reason for their success. If you've got some tips or suggestions for England players, little things that might help them achieve success, we'll be asking you, Alex, if there's anything you do before a major tournament as well. We're also going to be joined uh, by Rhiannon Jones and Mina Rizuki. Uh, Rhiannon covering La Liga and Mina Rizuki finishing off the season in Serie A. So we've got a jam-packed show today for you folks. Um, Should be very interesting indeed. So let's crack on 
with our first topic. Now, I've written here, finally, it's happened to me. I thought I'd chuck a bit of CC Peniston in there for any of our uh, over 30 listeners. Oh, it's an absolute classic, Alex. It is, yeah. Um, so we saw loads of finals, didn't we, this weekend? Not only uh, the Champions League final, which, after a very, very cagey 90 minutes, uh, saw Real Madrid finish up with uh, the victors 4-1 after extra time. We got to see Bale score. We got to see Ronaldo score. We got to see quite a lot of Ronaldo, actually, as it happened after the game. Um, we also, of course, saw the Champions playoff final Derby losing out to Queen's Park Rangers Queen's Park Rangers now with a chance above anything else to try and settle their cash flow because they've been overspending for far too long and congratulations to Rotherham and uh, Fleetwood who earned uh, promotion to League One Hayley I'm going to start with you actually and our first topic so I've asked you um, to pick out a couple of your favourite parting shots could be a moment of brilliance it could be an error it could be uh, perhaps a great pre or post match quote or story anything at all from the finals this long weekend? Well, I'm going to go with a couple of quotes, actually, and a couple of facts for you. Absolutely brilliant. I was on Sky Sports News and up pops one of our reporters with the Chuckle Brothers. <laughs> this led to endless jokes all afternoon with me and my co-presenter to me, to you, to you, to me. We had great fun for about half an hour. Now, Vice Chairman of Leighton Orient, um, Eddie Hearn, said on Twitter after the game when, of course, Leighton Orient lost to Rotherham, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. I've just been commiserated by one of the Chuckle Brothers. <laughs> so the Chuckle Brothers, massive Rotherham fans. They must be the only famous Rotherham fans, are they? I think they are, yeah. Um, Steve Evans, what a character. Oh. We know that Jose Mourinho has given us endless replays whenever something great happens with the team that he's managing, particularly with Chelsea, of that touchline run with his grey coat flowing in the wind and his silky locks. It was very different scenes with Steve Evans. <laughs> very, very different indeed. I know exactly what you're going to say here because I've also made a note of this and it's still making me laugh hearing you talk about it. Did you see it? No, I did. And that was actually going to be one of mine because I remember the commentator mm. saying, well, he's no Jose Mourinho. And I just remember laughing. But no, just the pure emotion and him running down that touchline. I can, you know, sympathise with him. I suppose he weren't, he didn't care. Like he was in the moment. He was just so happy and it, it came across. And he had a little pull of his trousers yeah, at the end. On, on the way back, pull up the trousers, looking for the cameras. <laughs> After the game, another quote from him, he said, if someone phones me tonight and says I've won the lottery, this is better. We were dead and buried at halftime, um, but we were written off all season. He also said at halftime we were hanging on. I only wanted it to be two at halftime because I knew if it was two, I could revive them. And we did. So full of confidence there. And he, he somehow just knew that it was all right if they were two nil down. That just goes to show, and I remember watching the game as well, some of the goals in that game were just fantastic. But imagine being in that dressing room at half-time and what actually he said to motivate them players. It must have been some team talk. So there you have it, a couple of quotes. Another couple of um, things that I saw, Fleetwood... So nobody ever likes to pick faults with a goalkeeper, but it's a real shame that a, a bit of a mistake led to Anthony Sarkovic's goal. He's been the man of the season so far for Fleetwood to, to score and earn them a place in League One. And what a meteoric rise that we've seen from Fleetwood. It really is just spectacular. Booking their place in League One with their sixth promotion in nine years. They're just I guess, two seasons away from being in the Premier League. There you have it, if they're, if they're to continue this rise. But yeah, I think a huge congratulations. Um, definitely deserved uh, by Fleetwood Town. And it's great to see uh, a, a club with great history rising up the leagues and just showing that it can be done. Absolutely. Here, here to Fleetwood. Um, Alex, let's take yours. 
Well, my one had already been said about the Rotherham manager. Um, but no, going, I think, for the Champions League final, um, I was happy for Gareth Bale to obviously score that goal. But um, when Cristiano Ronaldo scored that goal, and, you know, first of all, you know, it was all about him and just him taking <laughs> off his shirt. And obviously us girls were like, whoa, look at that body. But no, I thought at the start, I was like, God, that's selfish. It's like a team game and I'm quite mm. a team player. But then after you read the stories coming through about, you know, when he went to that guy and in the crowd and everyone's like, who's the guy he's going up to? And then you actually read the story. It was like between him and the other boy, you know, to get signed for the Benfica Academy. And it was whoever's going to score that goal. And then his friend was one-on-one through with a goalkeeper and squared it to Ronaldo. And then Ronaldo was the one that got picked. And they asked him, well, why didn't you score that goal? And he was like, well, I knew he was going to be a better player than me. And just like a story like that, then he goes from like, from me being, oh, God, he's so selfish to then how humble is he Mm. that he went straight after him and, you know, praised him and thanking him. And I just think that shows the character and the person and he is and I just thought that story was amazing to read. He is a tale of two halves isn't he himself and I know that, that that's an old football adage but you do think Cristiano Ronaldo you do think Cristiano Ronaldo you know massively selfish. I, I, I've still got ingrained in my memory it must be about from four or five years ago the image of him in a tiny pair of pink shorts with a flower in his hair during his summer holidays um, but how amazing as well that, that, that the guy who helped set up his career I yeah. suppose by being unselfish um, Ronaldo looked after him and went up to him after the game it's nice, really nice. You quite often see these these big names when they're up the top. They, f- they forget how they got there. They forget who gave them a helping hand. Mm-hmm. And even though he is this, you know, superstar, there is still part of him that is very humble. Yeah, I know. and that just, to me, you know, sums him up. And when you hear stories like that, it is. You should always remember where you've come from and who helped you get to where you are. Um, I've gone with a couple of moments, and one of mine was the Steve Evans trouser nearly falling down incident. Uh, but I'll stick with the Champions League final, first of all, as we've uh, just been talking about that. Luka Modric, he's really come into his own under Carlo Ancelotti, hasn't he? He was criticised when he played in the Premier League for being too small and not being physical enough, but he's he just seems to have really found his role. And I know he's not the kind of hero of the whole game, but he was just one of the performances that I wanted to pick out, perhaps someone that people aren't talking so much about. Um, I thought he was industrious to at the end of the game you know absolutely fantastic I think was a you know, a big part in why Real Madrid managed to lift that trophy. Completed 89% of his uh, passes, uh, won all four of his aerial duels. So the stats back that up as well. And he really, I think, really was one of those players who kept pushing to uh, to help his teammates achieve that equalising goal. He was constantly getting forward, constantly trying to make something of it. Um, the other thing to mention about him, not just, of course, the fact that he played a big part in the game, but the way he celebrated afterwards. You talked about Ronaldo ripping his shirt off, Gareth Bale tied a scarf around his head. That's what they do in Wales, apparently. Uh, but uh, Modric cut off his hair. So Modric has had a haircut in celebration. Doesn't He looks like a 14-year-old. I'm just about to say that. I actually saw this picture yesterday and I thought exactly the same thing. I was like, oh, he looks like a little boy. <laughs> little Luca Modric. <laughs> he did. He, he kind of looked like, oh, it's Luca's younger brother. No, no. it's him. <laughs> Bless him. But I wonder how long he'd had that. He must have had a pact between him and his teammates and said, well, if we win it, mm-hmm. I would shave my hair off or I wonder if someone actually put him up to it or whether it was his idea Okay let's move on to Sue Smith who has her WSL roundup of the season now the women's well for most female footballers not Alex as we'll probably hear later on but uh, most of them get a couple of weeks break until the internationals Um, so we're on kind of a mid-season break for the women Sue's going to round up the season so far for us Hello ladies here's my weekly roundup of the WSL 
This week's going to actually be my last review for a couple of weeks as we now go on a a five-week break. So some of the girls will be going away on international duty. Some will be going on holiday. Some will just be resting up. Then before we have to start another pre-season, just a a small one before the the next part of the league. So the last game's going to be the FA Cup final on Sunday. That's between Arsenal and Everton. It's going to be at Milton Keynes and it's live on BBC Two at 4.15. So if you can't actually get to the ground, you can just sit in your sofa and watch the game and, and support the girls from there. At the mid-season break, Birmingham topped WSL 1 and I don't think anybody probably expected that at the start of the year. But for me, it's well-deserved looking at the performances this year. They've been playing really, really well and and getting some really good results. Arsenal have continued their slow start to the season and they're currently sitting bottom of the league after getting beat again, this time by Bristol 2-0. After the game, Arsenal's manager Shelley Kerr has decided to step down. It's going to be after the FA Cup final, so she'll still be in charge for that. But it was quite a shock, I think, to the the football world because in her debut season, she led Arsenal to FA Cup and Continental Cup. And then this year, she's obviously reached the FA Cup final, so she's not doing that badly. But she obviously feels it's time to step down and and let another manager take charge and, and see what happens. Arsenal will definitely be hoping to have a new manager in charge by the start of, of next season. Notts County missed a chance to go top as Chelsea goalkeeper Christian Endler produced a resilient display to earn a side a goalless draw. But Notts County have had a fantastic start to the year and, and they're looking really strong and, and really strong contenders to actually win the league. Moving on to WSL2, got to talk about my team, Doncaster Bells, still 100% record in the league, so we're still sitting top of the table. Just beneath us on goal difference is Sunderland, and they've also got 100% record in the league. So it's going to be a a tight one there. So like I say, we're going to all rest up and and get ready for the the next part of the season because it's going to be a, a really competitive one, as is WSL1. Okay, that's all for now. I hopefully catch up with you all soon. Thanks very much to Sue for that. Let's rock on to rock on. Look at me, eh? Going all heavy metal on you. <laughs> oh, you're so rock. <laughs> Look at you, you rock chick. I am. Uh, now, every four years the World Cup comes round, and quite a few times there have been a surprise semi-finalist. I mean, certainly we're used to, obviously, surprise teams getting out the group stages into the round of 16, quarterfinals even. Um, but Uruguay in 2010, they reached the semi-finals. That wasn't really expected. South Korea in 2002, even Bulgaria back in 1994. So uh, your top eight teams are as follows ladies and I want you to pick someone outside these top eight teams who you think whether it's you know just a fantastical outside chance just because you like a player in their team or you I don't know like the look of their formation choose a team who you think have a chance of getting to the semi-finals in Brazil this summer so your top eight are just to run through them quickly Spain Germany Portugal Brazil Colombia Uruguay Argentina and Switzerland Alex I'm going to start with you Okay, <clears throat> just clear my throat for this one. Um, no, I think my outside bet is Belgium. Um, I just think they've got some fantastic, exciting young players. Uh, just to mention, you know, PFA Young Player of the Year, um, Hazard. Um, just talents like that, I really think they can surprise a few people. Um, and I think a lot of people are looking at them to actually do something this summer. So I reckon my money's on them and outside bet to the semifinals. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one. When you actually look at their starting 11, most of them are playing in the Premier League. And actually, it's a really big nod to the Premier League. So if they go quite far in the competition, I think it then kind of enhances the league over here. The argument over the last couple of years from some pundits has been that the Premier League isn't the strongest or most exciting. But we are producing 
not exciting players, just England, but foreigners wanting to come and play in the game. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But uh, you mentioned, obviously, uh, Belgium there. The, the furthest they've actually ever reached in a World Cup was a semi-finals, and that was back in 1986. That was quite a long time ago. They haven't qualified for the last two World Cups either, so it just shows how strongly they've come on and how much talent they have in their side. They didn't even make it to the last three European Championships, 2004, 8 and 12. So I think people are now saying, oh, Belgium should be up there in that top eight as favourites. But when you look at the past history, uh, you know, of course they're not going to be up there because they haven't succeeded in major tournaments, but they just have a plethora of talent. You've got um, company in the form of his life, um, Thomas Vermaelen, Vertonghen. Um, there's just so many of them in there. You've got um, Mignolet as well, of course, with Liverpool doing so well this season. That's obviously rubbed off on them. Uh, Benteke, you, Lukaku, Fellaini. Like all these names and you're just like, wow, that's all in one team. Yeah. And sometimes it is just having that right balance, like you said, about company, the leadership, but then you've got the, the youth that can just, like, there's no pressure on them. They can just go out there and express themselves and be free. So I really think all over the pitch that they have the right balance. Mm. You said their youth. Adnan Yanazai as well. Someone yeah. could come off the bench. He's proven it with Manchester United uh, this season. He's decided that he's going to be uh, Belgium, that's for sure. Maybe if there weren't all these stars in the team the great names up there he might have gone for Albania or maybe even England but unfortunately not (laughs) I still see England as an outsider though they're in that top eight there but I think this is the first tournament that they've gone into where we're expecting that they do okay in the group I don't think we're expecting that they're going to go far so I think they're going to exceed any expectations even if they just get to the quarters and for once um, over the last few years the women's team's definitely doing better than the men's that's for sure yeah, but like you said as well, I think it's good that, you know, we're not expecting them to do well. They're going over there with less um, pressure on their shoulders. I think Roy's picked an exciting team as well. Just the youngsters, you know, he's picked players that are on form. When we see like Luke Shaw, Raheem Sterling, them players are exciting. And I remember watching the last one, you know, when Germany brought through all them, that crop of um, young players and you could see the way they was playing. They had no fear on them shoulders. They, it was exciting. And I think we might just see that with this England team. How far do you think they'll go? I'm saying quarterfinals and then anything from there, you know, anything can happen. But um, no, I really think it's an exciting England team to, you know, going to be watching. We all love Roy. We just love Roy. (laughs) We We do it. And when you love the manager and you do, you want to support him and get behind him. I think England will be lucky to get out of the group stages. I'll be happy to see them get past the group stages. Let's not bock it, Alex Scott, please. Um, I've gone for Ivory Coast. This is a bit of a bizarre one, actually. I was talking to my friend and she actually said them as well. She was like, why don't you go with the Ivory Coast? And the same thing when you look at some of their players, Mm. you know, just that strong physicality side. So I'm not surprised one that you've gone with that. It's got super, super Yaya Torre, of course, will make up, uh, make up the bulk of the team. I have to say, they, the, only, the only faults that I can attribute to them, really, they are poor defensively and they do rely too much on their superstars. And it's almost as if they rely on these superstars to just get on with it and the rest of the team will kind of fit around them. Um, the superstars are, of course, Yaya Torre. Uh, we've got Didier Drogba. This will be his last World Cup. I think he's 36, is he now? Something like that. Uh, so, you know, driving force for his club and country. You've got the likes of Czech Tiote, Wilfred Bone, Colo Torre, of course, plus Javinio, who's been doing so well in Syria. He's been phenomenal, actually, in Italy this season. Uh, Salomon Kalou as well there. So when you look at all those names, um, well, I think they've got a really good chance if they can if they can inject some structure. They're a bit like the Liverpool of the World Cup, you know, very weak defensively. 
so much so actually that they've moved, moved Didier Zakora from midfield to permanent centre half because they, they because they need some of that experience there. What they want to do now, this is how I think that they'll progress: is top Group D. If they top Group D, they'll meet the runners-up of our group, England's group, rather Group B. So they'll meet. I think Italy will win our group. So I think England or Uruguay. So not impossible then for them to go through uh, to the quarterfinals and then who knows from there on in. But yeah, Ivory Coast, I think if they can put it together, keep focused, get all that star talent in order, got a good chance of reaching the quarterfinals. I, I think you're, you're up there and I think you've just got to keep an eye on the South American teams, you look yeah. at the likes of Colombia, um, risen up the world rankings, um, really great, solid spine to their team and the fact that yes they'll have a lot of pressure on their shoulders but it's about the teams that can adapt to the conditions like every tournament the conditions that you play in have a lot more say than just the players and, uh, and the strength of the squad and a, and a great manager. So I think definitely looking at the South American teams to, to, to be right uh, up there. I still think Brazil are going to win it at home. I think that's my final outcome. Twitter Topic of the Week. Something a bit different then for Twitter Topic of the Week this week. We've been asking all our Twitter followers to ask Alex. Uh, so we've had some questions through for you, Alex, and this is a nice way for us to catch up with you as well. Hayley, if you've got one of your own, then by all means you can chip in with it too. Um, we should tell our listeners a little bit about Alex as well, just in case you're not familiar or too familiar with women's football. She's one of the key names in women's football, actually. Uh, the number of honours and accolades you've got, Alex, is... It's kind of embarrassingly so many, isn't it? I mean, it's, you've, you've done so much. You really, really have. Um, you made a move to America in 2009. Before you'd even made that move, you'd got nine league titles, seven FA Cups. Last season, you did the double with the Continental Cup and the FA Cup. You're in the FA Cup this weekend on Sunday, playing Everton with another chance to hang on to that trophy. Um, so you've had a, you know, a massively illustrious career. You're still only 29, aren't you? I am, yeah. But no, just going through that list, I don't actually think I know how much I've actually won as a player until I actually stop and then I'll reflect on it. You sound like Cristiano Ronaldo. I, I don't think I know how much I've won as a player uh, because there's just so many <laughs> no not like that I think just when you're in it like I don't sit and count the medals or I just every season I, I want to win and, and I don't reflect on the past but like I said when I stop playing that's when I'll, I'll take a breath and think wow you know I've had a good career Alex so as for the World Cup qualifying campaign, you couldn't be in a better position. Did you ever imagine it would be this good the amount of goals you're scoring the little goals that you're conceding i.e none <laughs> no, um, obviously as a defender, it's always good to keep clean sheets. But I just think the amount of goals that we're scoring, it shows, you know, we've got options in the attacking um, final third and we can break teams down, which I think that's where we've lacked in previous tournaments, you know, just that killer edge in front of goal. But no, Marks came in, obviously taking over from Hope and he's done a fantastic jo job so far. And, you know, we're nearly there. We're not quite there yet, but hopefully we'll be on that plane to Canada next year. So really good from an international point of view at the moment. Club-wise, you know, Arsenal have had this fantastic history, as we've learned about, because you've spent, obviously, a fair bit of time with them, three different spells with the club. But uh, yesterday, the decision from Shelley Kerr to step down after that FA Cup final, the Arsenal ladies' manager, must have come as a bit of a shock. Um, and I'm guessing that it's quite tough, it's quite challenging for you this season so far at Arsenal. 
It is, but um, I had options at the end of the season to go and leave Arsenal and go to different teams. <clears throat> but then I sat down and really thought about it and I thought, you know, we are in a transition phase and this will be a new challenge for me. Obviously, I've been used to being on, you know, winning Arsenal teams, but I thought, you know, obviously we are in a different period and it'd be good to challenge me personally, you know, to stay and bring through the new crop of players. Um, so I always knew this season was going to be a challenge. Everyone already wrote us off. So to get to the, um, to the FA Cup final, you know, <laughs> that's great in itself. But like you said, we have had a troublesome time at the moment. I think four defeats and that's hard. And the decision for um, Shelley to step down, you know, no one wanted her as players to step down. We wanted her to see it through because she is trying to move this Arsenal team forward. So on a personal note, it's sad. It's going to be sad to see her go. And hopefully we can, you know, win the FA Cup final for her and send her off on, you know, the last hurrah. It's funny how it kind of mirrors Manchester United. You have the same person in charge for all these years. Like Manchester United, who've won so much over the years. Arsenal's women kind of parallel to them when United won the FA Cup. Arsenal were doing similar things, finishing top of the league. So are Manchester United. You get a new manager in from Scotland as well, of course, replacing. And you get Shelley in. And just unfortunately, it just hasn't worked. And like United, a transitional period. But like lots of United fans and people in Manchester are saying, it takes a low point for you to appreciate what you've won and makes you even more hungry to get back to have the success that you have, especially for the youngsters coming through who haven't experienced what you've been lucky enough to do as well. That is exactly that. And it is tough times for Arsenal, but we have to remember, and for me, I think it makes me hungry to prove people wrong, where I've never been in that boat before with Arsenal ladies. You know, people always expected us to get to cup finals to win, and now people are like saying that we're in the relegation zone and we're odds-on favourite to be relegated. And to me, I just now I'm like, come on, team, let's prove everyone wrong and um, just, you know... That sort of mentality is so different at Arsenal ladies. But like you said, you know, the youngsters coming through have always put us on this pedestal that, you know, Arsenal ladies win things. And I think it's trying to ingrain in them, you know, that winning mentality. And we are a club to push on through these tough times. Yeah, it's just a shame that it's this season because we've got relegation and promotion for the first time. Two leagues of all the times to be having a transitional time and be bottom of the WSL at the moment, of course. If you were at this or in this position at the end of the season, you'd be relegated. And let's not even think about that at that. At the moment, you know, um, you know, surely the parent club will step in and go, no, we, we need to make some changes here. We need to do whatever we need to do to get the team further up the table. Um, let's uh, look at a few questions from our Twitter followers for you then, Alex. Um, first one here is from Thomas Elgenberg, who's asking about uh, what special experience in football that you use now in the UK that you learnt from your days with the Boston Breakers in the US. Oh, God, tough one. I think being in America, it was the mentality of the Americans. You know, that never stay die attitude. They will run on the training field till, you know, they're told to get off. And I think... um, the English before, I think our times are changing now, but before it was like, oh, we could turn up to training and kind of go through the motions, where the Americans know everything, every matter counts. And I think now going into training, coming back to Arsenal, I've kind of carried that over mm. with me. Like, I make every training session count now. Are you like PMA girls, positive mental attitude? Come on, when I was in the States. We have team huddles and everything. We're like, team on free. <laughs> well, Shannon Saul has tweeted saying, as biscuits are your guilty pleasure, what is your favourite type? Or can you pick just one? Is this tough? Oh, no, I definitely can pick one. I think all the fans know that I do love my biscuits. It is my guilty pleasure. Um, but no, I have to stick with the old-fashioned custard cream. Oh, I just love it with a cup of tea and I can dunk it. Um, but no, I know some people like the fancy ones, like the hobnobs and that sort of thing. But no, just plain old custard creams is me. Can you have a cup of tea without a biscuit? I struggle. 
So do I, but sometimes I really, for Lent, I gave up biscuits. That was really a tough time, uh, but, but that's the only time I give up biscuits. <laughs> um, uh, let's go to another one. Uh, here we go. Uh, Julia Westhead says, thanks for this, Julia. Uh, if you were stuck on a desert island, what three items would you take? It's an old classic, but it always springs up a few interesting answers. God, uh, I love music, so it would definitely have to be my Bose speakers. And then for my music, I'd have to take my iPhone. Um, so that's the multiple things. I could still, you know, ring people maybe if I've got a signal out there. Um, so that's two things. And the third thing, I'd have to take my dog. I've got a boxer dog, um, Ella, um, just for company. And, yeah, I love it a bit. So sounds a bit soppy, but, no, she needs to come with me. And then we'll have a good time on the island, get some sun. Exactly. I think, I think you've got it sorted there, really. Music, iPhone for, for communication and a dog for company. Yeah. Perfect. Clodagh Donovan said, Alex, if you could swap places with one other female player... Who would it be and why? Do you know what? I'm going to go with your very own Sue Smith. Um, because actually I'm on a media course at the moment um, and I've got to do a lot of work placements and Sue <laughs> is popping up everywhere, working here, there. And, you know, so I think that would be great experience for me um, seeing that different side of her life. So, yeah, Sue Smith. Right. Our very own Harriet Drudge has this one in, our, in the last minute, OK? Scoring a screamer to win a game or a spectacular goal line clearance to keep the lead? Oh, gosh, that is a hard one. What do you go with? I'm a defender. Do I want to take the glory saving it on the line? But no, I think in that one she said that if I scored the screamer, the team would win the game. So mm. I'd definitely have to go with scoring the screamer and winning the game, whether it be lifting a trophy or just getting the three points, at least we've won the game. Team player, there you have it. Well done. She is, isn't she? Uh, OK, let's move on to topic three. Uh, thanks very much for sending your questions in, folks. Um, next, we're going to move on to topic number three, cup cutbacks. Mexico national team manager Miguel Herrera has laid down the law, I've written here, no sex at this summer's World Cup for his players. He's quoted as saying, if a player cannot endure a month or 20 days without having intercourse, then they are not prepared to be a professional. There we go. Strong stuff there from Herrera, uh, who was speaking to a Mexican newspaper called, quite hilariously, Reformer. Uh, so uh, I'd like another two quick examples of uh, something that teams cite as the secret to their success. Top tips and suggestions, perhaps for England players, ladies, Alex, any of your own golden rules going into a tournament, perhaps. Incidentally, um, Brazil coach Luis Felipe Scolari has said his players can do the dirty. It's absolutely fine as long as there are no acrobatics involved. Uh, Hayley, let's start with you. A same ban was imposed in the World Cup in 1990 by the Italian coach, actually, Vicini. He said exactly the same thing. His request became a bit of a running joke, actually. And uh, when Pele was asked about it, he said, well, sex is not the problem. It's the warm-up that is. I think he meant the actual training warm-up as opposed to any other kind of activity warming up. So, yeah, that was quite funny. It's been happening for quite a while. Back in 1990, there was already a ban. What about the Vuvuzela that was banned after South Africa? Do you remember when people we're catching on thinking, yes, this noise is so exciting. Let's bring it to the leagues in England and get a Vuvuzela. But they were actually banned from many stadiums because they did not want it. Outdo the, yeah. the, the, the traditional singing and the crowd noise, which was very much missed, I think, in South Africa. It was a novelty for the first few games and then it just became really, really mm. annoying. No, I totally agree. You know, I think you do want to hear the fans singing, you know, when they're singing their favourite player on and that just overshadowed everyone. And, you know, if you were standing 
standing next to a person blowing that in your ear, you'd be like, come on now, let me just watch the game and sing along. So I'm definitely in agreement with that band then. A couple of uh, cutbacks here from me. Well, things, secret tricks of the trade, perhaps. Um, the Belgium team, well, they've ordered a lake in their World Cup base <laughs> to be filled with fish. This is uh, their their way of relaxing. Okay. Uh, so they're going to do some fishing, apparently, to keep them relaxed and focused ahead of the World Cup. Perhaps that will be their secret uh, to success. Um, Ecuador. They could catch some fish and sell it to the uh, England uh, hotel. Yeah, <laughs> bit of a trade-off. We'll catch your fish, you eat it. Exactly. Perhaps pass it through a fish finger factory on the way to the England hotel and the England men can then finally understand why the England women have been so much more successful. It's all about the fish finger sandwiches for pre-match. Okay, uh, we've not heard from Sean Thorne and it is our last podcast of the season. So Sean's got something a little bit different for us this week as he sums up a couple of his favourite moments from the season. So there we go, it's another season in the books. It's also my debut year with the Offside Rule podcast. Season filled with many, many great moments. I mean, for me, I think one of the the pivotal moments of the season was the resurgence of Bristol City because I genuinely thought there was a point when we were going to be doomed to successive relegations, which would have been an absolute disaster. But Stevie Cottrell, he came in, he turned it around and he deserves a lot of credit for the job that he's done at Ashton Gate. A lot of people may assume that I might think that the Rovers' relegation to the conference would be some sort of highlight. But really, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's a terrible thing for West Country football. And also, I don't think you'd wish that on your worst enemy being relegated to the conference. It's a nightmare of a league to get out of. So I'm sort of hoping Rovers are going to bounce back from that. And I'm sure they will as well. Yeovil as well, sticking with the West Country. Their season, watching them try to survive in the land of the Giants has been a joy to watch. And their 3-3 draw against Wigan... Uh, I thought was it was an amazing game. Exploded in the last eight minutes, and I thought they really should be proud of themselves for the effort they put in in trying to survive in the championship this season. Speaking of three-three draws, I think just looking at Liverpool in their season for sheer lunacy, that three-three draw against Palace is one of the games which will stick out in my mind. But for the greatest game of the season. I think you're going to have to go from Liverpool's lowest moment to their highest moment for their 3-2 victory over Man City for just pure emotion of what that day was for Liverpool on the Hillsborough anniversary weekend. And also, as well, just to throw this in, how quality are Vines? Vines have revolutionised, for me, how I watch goals. You don't have to wait until match of the day to see all the classics now. You can just whack on Twitter and find them all there. It's been an amazing season this year, and it's been great seeing all of your tweets for Twitter Topic of the Week. And look forward to hearing from you all next year, and have a lovely time watching England do really, really well in the World Cup. And for the last time this season, I'll hand you back to the girls. Thanks very much, Sean. A couple of his favourite moments of the season there. Um, To finish things up, ladies, let's not forget our wonderful foreign roundup journalists. Um, This week we've got a double header because uh, we've only got one episode left, this one. So we're going to do a little bit from Mina Rizuki and Siri and Rhiannon Jones is going to sum up La Liga for us. Take it away, ladies. Serie A is over. And whilst we are allowed to be disappointed there are no club matches to watch until August, Juventus are still celebrating. Breaking a record, no team in the top five leagues has ever managed to finish a season with 102 points. But now Juve can say they have. What an achievement for a side that has now managed three titles in a row. And if they couldn't get any happier, their coach confirmed he will remain for at least another season. 
Roma provided quite the challenge and alongside Napoli will certainly entertain and better the image of Italian football in the Champions League next season. But do spare a thought for Bologna. The big club got relegated, whilst Catania, usually a well-run side, ran into one too many problems and have also fallen. At least Little Sassuolo managed to stay up to play their second ever season of top flight football next year. We look forward to it. Ciao! Hola chicas. Well, after a 12-year wait, Los Blancos have finally won their 10th European Cup. I was lucky enough to travel to Lisbon for the first ever All-Madrid Champions League final and what an incredible atmosphere there was as 120,000 fans visited the Portuguese capital. We couldn't have hoped for a more exciting final thanks to Sergio Ramos's header in the 93rd minute and I'm feeling Welsh and proud yet again. Gareth Bale wrapped up an impressive season with his new club by scoring what could be called the winning goal in his first ever Champions League final. The celebrations that followed the next day at the Bernabeu were suitably spectacular. Luka Modric's haircut and Carlo Ancelotti singing the new song for La Decima, just a couple of the highlights. Atletico Madrid may have lost their first European Cup final in 40 years, but it's still been an incredible season for Diego Simeone's men, who were crowned La Liga champions after an 18-year wait. It reported 200,000 fans turned up at Plaza Neptuno to celebrate. Meanwhile, a disappointing season for Barcelona, who lost the league title, their manager, goalkeeper and their captain, Puyol. Real Betis, Valladolid and Osasuna were the three teams relegated. In the Europa League, it's Villarreal, Real Sociedad and Sevilla and in the Champions League Athletic Bilbao will join the top four if they come through the qualifying rounds. And I'll wrap up with the incredible story of the promotion of the smallest club in La Segunda Eibar. From a town with a population of 30,000 an annual budget of 4 million euros and a 5,000 capacity stadium, they've now won promotion two years in a row. That's it for La Liga 2013-2014 girls. See you in the new season. Adios. Thanks very much to Mina and to Rhiannon there. That's it for today. Bit of a bumper edition, but it's the end of the season. Uh, so uh, we thought we thought you wouldn't mind, folks, to be honest. Um, Hayley, thank you very much for joining us. We may hear from you over the summer. If not, we're back in August. I will be in Miami. There's a couple of games happening out there. Just a small matter of uh, World Cup warm-up mm. matches. So I'll be out there. Maybe if I don't get the chance to uh, speak to anyone and put it on a podcast, because technically that could be a bit of an issue, I will try and put as much as I can on the website and blog for you and keep you up to date and tweet. And we can tweet from the Offside Rule Pod um, Twitter as well. So if you might see my blogs... Up alongside Alex Scott as well. Well, of course, Alex will take a break from her blogs as well whilst there's a break in the women's season. Um, not much of a break for you, though. You are studying, um, so you've got two weeks of study and then the England internationals. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll be selected for the England Games coming up. But no, yeah, I'm actually on a broadcasting media course, so I'm off to uni, nine to five. God, this is taking me back. Um, but no, it'd be an interesting two weeks and I'll hopefully learn a lot. But no, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed being on today. Um, small matter of the FA Cup final on Sunday. Best of luck from myself, Hayley, and Lindsay, of course, who wasn't able to join us today. She'll be back with me in Brazil in a few weeks' time. Not long to go, but yeah, best of luck um, as uh, Arsenal ladies take on Everton in the FA Cup final, trying to um, hang on to that trophy for a second year running. That's it from us, folks. Uh, as I said, Lindsay and myself will be back in Brazil broadcasting and hopefully doing some videoing, vlogging as well for you. Uh, don't forget to check out our Twitter account, at Offside Rule Pod. Uh, the Facebook page as well, the Offside 
Rule and our fantastic website, www.offsiderulepodcast.com, available to download every Thursday via Audioboo and iTunes. And with thanks from us to Continental UK for their continued support. See you later. The Female Take on Football.